When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. A little bit shorter of a podcast today for you today, but we get into three topics. Uh, Scott Patsko, Ashley Bastock, and I. Three random questions. We talk about the Deshaun Watson contract. Will it set a precedent in the NFL as J.C. Treader wants it to do? Uh, who could be the Stephen Kwan for the Browns in 2022? And then what changes would we make to the NFL? Kind of in honor of the NBA's play-in game. What changes would we make the NFL season format or, or something along those lines. So that's coming up here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Become a football insider subscriber, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. You know all the stuff you get. Uh, newsletter delivered to your inbox every single day. Access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash Browns. And you can become one of our text subscribers. All right, here we go. Our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Here we go on our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Came up with three random questions, which is Ashley said that should be the name of this podcast. I don't know if she just meant this episode or just the podcast in general. I, Probably. I, I clarified. I clarified <laughs> right after I said it because I didn't want you to think I always think this podcast well, is random. It, it is always random. That's uh, <laughs> that's basically what this is. So it could be both. Um, but we're going to kick these around for a little bit here. And the first one. So J.C. Treader, and, and look, this was predictable. Um, the, still the union president, just got a new two-year term, uh, wrote today in his latest blog post that maybe this Deshaun Watson contract could be something that changes, uh, or, or this is a chance for players to kind of take advantage of, of a situation where they can finally get guaranteed money. It's something the NFL doesn't have, uh, fully guaranteed contracts. They have them in baseball. They have them in the NBA. Um, who knows about hockey? Sure, I guess they probably do. But um, Treader, as we as I kind of expected, would push this. I guess my question is, Scott, do you think that this contract, Deshaun Watson getting $230 million guaranteed, and Kirk Cousins got a guaranteed contract a few years back with Minnesota, do you think this is something that could change the NFL, or is this just kind of a one-off? I'm hesitant to say that it could change because, you know, the Patrick Mahomes thing happened his crazy deal. And I don't, that's such an outlier. Um, I mean, they should be getting guaranteed contracts for one. And I think if it changes anything, it would change things for quarterbacks. I think it's a different, just a different animal when you're dealing with signing a quarterback versus other positions and how much you want to uh, commit to that person just because it's so, you know, that's the only guy playing that position on the field. So um, I don't know that you're going to see like a huge run on like Lamar Jackson signs his deal. I, I don't know if it's going to be as guaranteed as Sean Watson's. I guess that that'll be the real tell is like some of these guys who are lined up to get something soon, how this impacts them. But I think Deshaun Watson's deal is just, again, it was just at this point, it's such an outlier compared to everything else that I don't know you're going to see a huge change. And if there is any change, again, I think it's going to be quarterback driven. 
Yeah, I agree with Scott, just like based on positional value, you know, like I kind of think of, of the NFL with things like this as kind of more stuck in their ways than some of the other leagues. And I think that could be for a variety of reasons. Um, but I think too, like when you, you talk about the game of football with injuries and, and things like that, like, I think the upper brass is just going to be more hesitant to like make this a huge, huge trend. But I think the Deshaun Watson situation was like kind of the perfect storm in the sense of the caliber of player he was on the field coupled with all of the off the field things coupled with the trade element of it and you're trying to woo him because he has a no trade clause which obviously isn't super common like I don't I kind of agree with Scott like I don't see this being an overarching trend just because of Deshaun Watson he was basically a free agent so it was like there was a bidding war going on and not every quarterback is going to be in that situation especially if if they're looking at like an extension, like, you know, a few, you know, after three years or whatever, it's, it's just going to be a different situation all around, I think. Yeah. And I think part of it too, it's when we're talking about like the elite of elite quarterbacks and, you know, we've, we've certainly put Deshaun Watson in that class. It's not really hard to just guarantee that money. I mean, obviously Deshaun's situation is more complicated, but just from the football side of it, if you have a 26 year old franchise quarterback, it's not hard to say, yeah, here's, here's your full contract. Of course, we want you for five years. Of course, we're going to pay you $230 million. It's a little different when it's a wide receiver or a running back or some other position that's a little more easier to, to change out. I mean, like Miles Garrett could probably get a fully guaranteed contract. That's kind of the level of non-quarterback that could do it. But I would have to imagine that the number of players who could approach a front office and say, give me a fully guaranteed contract who, who aren't quarterbacks is pretty small. Yeah. And the, the one thing I'll say too, though, like I understand why this is something that the players and the players association is, is pushing for, right? Like, especially when you're the only league that doesn't have that, you know? Um, and uh, RIP to JC Treaders mentions today, because if you scroll through <laughs> those replies, I mean, there there's what I don't get about this like debate, if you will, is like the argument that if players have guaranteed money, they're going to stop trying. Like that doesn't happen in the NBA or in like, right. Like that doesn't, that doesn't exist. Like that's not a thing. So I just wanted to point that out. That's kind of my opinion stance on this. Yeah. It's like, it's not the money that determines the work ethic. It's just, it's the guy. Like if you either have, you either have it in you or you don't. And most of these guys, they get to the the highest level of their sport for a reason, but yeah, JC though the only qualm, the only issue I have with JC is he's got to learn to spell his former owner's name. Yes, I I've been reading through one of Terry Pluto's old older books. Um, I think it was Browns Blues. Anyways, he goes over the whole Dwayne Bow thing <laughs> and how the Browns brought him in. I think it was nine million guaranteed, and how he just got his money and. And, uh, you know, obviously five catches or seven catches or something like that and constantly inactive and not really seeming engaged. And and I think in the book, Terry might have even alluded to the fact that uh, he got his money. So, you know, what's the point now? But I think you're right, Dan. It's it's the player. I think it didn't really matter what contract he got that year. Uh, it, it probably wasn't going to work. He was already on that downward trend and the Browns were getting somebody with, you know, half a leg out of the league, I think. Yeah, he, he was kind of in that like one last check situation. He, it's not like he came here when he was 25 years old and still in his prime. That was that was pretty clearly a guy on the wrong side of uh, yeah. on the wrong side of things. OK, 
So here's here's one uh, for those of you who are listening to the pod who don't follow the the Cleveland Guardians. Um, they have a guy named Stephen Kwan who is like currently the best player in baseball history <laughs> through like four games. It, it kind of, at least to me, came out of nowhere. I know there was a little buzz about him in spring training, and but like you know, who is this guy? He wasn't showing up on top prospect lists. He wasn't like, he's just sort of come out of nowhere. It it feels like. So I was wondering for our second question here, if we could come up with some people and maybe make the case, who will be the Browns Stephen Kwan in 2022? It's kind of hard because like this roster is pretty complete, but I'm, I'm just wondering who you guys think could maybe be that like out of nowhere, like, oh, Look at this guy helping the Browns win football games. So it's like so hard, right? Because like you said, I think for a lot of these guys, and we had this discussion when we did our top 20 players draft that like a lot of these, those guys towards the end of the list who I'm thinking about for this right now are guys who have done something at some point and we're maybe looking for like a larger sample size from them. I think Scott made that point on the pod uh, actually. So for me, like, I, I wonder, like, would, would DPJ, like, qualify in this? Like, he's, he's one of these guys that came to mind for me. I mean, he's made these big plays before, though, so that's why I'm hesitant. But kind of like we talked about on Friday, by virtue of having Deshaun Watson out there, like, are we going to get more consistency from him? And we obviously know the receivers need help. So that was, like, one name that came to mind, but I don't know if that quite fits it. I don't know if we're going to find somebody that perfectly fits that Stephen Kwan mold. I- I think outside of, you know, any rookie they might get, if you're looking at guys who are currently on the roster, I think there's three, three candidates and they're all wide receivers, right? Anthony Schwartz is one. If he comes out and has, you know, 10 catches and, and four touchdowns through the first three games of the year, then I think that's, that's Quan like, right. Um, Jakeem Grant. Um, if he comes out and does things as a receiver, he has a hundred career catches over like seven years. So like if he came out and was a legit part of the, of the offensive uh, attack and and was scoring touchdowns and and racking up yards. I think that would fall into that category. And then Felton's already been kind of this way. Um, I think after the Texans, I think it was the Texans game. I can't remember which one. He had a couple of touchdowns. He had a he had one of the um, like a wide receiver screen uh, situation. He's another guy who I think you don't expect a lot out of, but he could end up. He could have one of those games that. You know, every time he touches the ball, something really huge happens. And then if you stack a couple of those, then, you know, then you're getting there. But I think the wide receiver group probably has the best best chance of producing someone like that that comes out of nowhere. I like Felton. I, I think Felton's a, an interesting guy. I mean, none of these guys are like unknown just because this is like the Browns, right? Everybody knows every single player on the Browns. Nobody's going to sneak up on anybody. But yeah, if like Felton comes out in like the first two weeks and has – I don't know, seven catches for 120 yards combined in those two games and scores like three touchdowns and the Browns are two and oh, it's yeah. Yeah. I, I could see him. I could see him being that guy. Um, kind of that Stephen Kwan, like, uh, I don't know, what should we call it? The appearance on, on stage appearance. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that Donovan yeah. people's Jones qualifies. I think he's, yeah, a I think he might yeah, be I think much. he's have done too much already a little bit. Had it's hard. It's hard to draw a comparison because wasn't Quan a, a pretty high draft pick for the Indians and draft picks in baseball are a little different. Like they get drafted and then you forget about them for a couple of years while they're working their way up. But with, with football, like the Browns draft someone in the first or second round, 
this year. All eyes will be on those players. And uh, I think a better, really maybe the better uh, pick would be someone like Jamarcus Bradley, who, you know, or, or, or whoever they sign as an undrafted free agent this year, who ends up making the, the, maybe the practice squad and then has to get moved up and then boom, all of a sudden they're, you know, they're putting up stats. I think that's more, maybe uh, that's more in line with what Quan's done just from the fact that, you know, it's out of sight, out of mind kind of thing for most fans. Had the Browns won the Raiders game this past year, it could have been Nick Mullins. He, yeah. he could have been a guy. He was almost Bro. a Cleveland folk hero. <laughs> yeah, that's You know, Jakeem Grant is interesting too. Um, he was one that I was, as I was scrolling through the roster, was like, okay, that's if he contributes in the receiving game. And I, I'm sort of curious, Scott, what do you think that ultimately looks like? Does it look like how they tried to use JoJo Natson? How, how do you think his role sort of fits? Because I don't think they're going to bring him in just to return kicks. That's not really how they operate. Yeah, I think maybe they look at him as another another opportunity to get into the offense, what they had with Natson. If, if, if they, maybe they, they like him doing that more than Schwartz, maybe they don't think Schwartz is going to make that a big enough leap to be a consistent downfield threat. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of similarities there between those two guys. And like I said, Grant doesn't have a ton of experience catching passes in the NFL, but he has done it. Um, yeah, I don't know, but I guess, if you got Schwartz and Grant out there together, does that cause make your make your safety start to sweat? It's like, all right, are these both these dudes could just take off and you know, where are we going? If we're not in the right, we're not in the right defense, we're in trouble. Is is Johnny Stanton a candidate for this? Yes. <laughs> if they just but, but if he's they, gotta like he's gotta be the dude who's getting direct snaps on like a two-point conversion or in the red zone. And, uh, you know, like throwing jump touchdown passes or, or rushing it in. Like, it's got to be that kind of thing because he's not going to get the carry. He's got to be uh, he's got to be the guy that every time he touches it, there's some points being scored. What if like, I don't know, Nick Chubb misses the first game and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and Dearness Johnson are all, I don't know, stranded at the airport for the first game. And so Johnny Stanton has to be the featured back and he carries 27 times for 150 yards that would be something but i think it'd probably be like john kelly or somebody like that would probably i mean he's the only fullback on the roster um and who knows maybe they like maybe they're not going with the fullback maybe they're trying to make him into a tight end because they haven't really added to that group but yeah any 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 production by johnny stanton i think would would qualify I'll say too that like this past season again, like to take it back to this last year, like that's basically what happened with the Ernest in the Thursday night game, right? Like no one was yeah. talking about him. And then all of a sudden everyone was in love with him and in love with his story. And he ends up on the today show, I think right before the Super Bowl. like it, I think it's something on that level. Like we've seen it happen before kind of, but it's kind of hard to predict who that person might be coming up. Yeah. I mean, Dearness Johnson would normally be the guy here. <laughs> well, remember this would have to be, somewhat historic too right and we're not just talking about someone coming out and playing well we're talking about somebody doing something that hasn't happened in you know over a century basically over a first few first few games of the year so maybe if he like throws catches and runs for a touchdown and then through some weird twist of fate has to kick an extra point i don't know like <laughs> we get tiny Stanton to do all that stuff he's there Maybe it'll actually be like Stephen Kwan. Maybe he's like secretly 
an incredible football player too. And he just tries to pull a Deion Sanders and shows up and plays for the Browns and catches 10 passes for 130 yards. (laughs) Okay. Let's take a break. And then I've got one more question for you guys. And back on the orange and Brown talk podcast. All right. Like I said, these were all very random, very random questions here. This one has to do with the Cavaliers. So by the time uh, you, you all are listening to this, we'll know if the Cavs won their play-in game or not. Uh, if they lose, they play Friday night. If they win, they get the seventh seed. I think I have that right. Yes. Um, so in honor of the, the play-in, and the NBA is always kind of willing to experiment and, and try new things. The NFL is a little slower to adapt usually and, and try new things. I was curious if there was like, I guess we'll limit it to one, but I guess if you guys have a couple good ideas, that's fine. What would you change about the NFL and their, their kind of current setup, whether it's playoff format or, or something like that? Scott, I know you wrote about one recently, and, and maybe that's the one you want to bring up. Yeah, I would get rid of overtime in the regular season. I think it's unnecessary. I'm tired of hearing people talk about how to change overtime, how to fix it. You fix it by getting rid of it because it's unnecessary. I went through the last couple of years of standings and there's very little change uh, in terms of who makes the playoffs. Um, and you, if you, if, if you're trying to make, you know, the, the league made the, uh, the argument that they reduced the time of the amount of time spent in overtime because of player safety. Well, you can't get any more safe than not playing it at all. Right. I think there's, you know, hockey can deal with, to get, can deal with ties. Um, soccer obviously can deal with ties. I don't, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Just, just end the game. You know, you have to maybe get out the calculator and work on, work on those uh, percentages a little more, um, which I even had to do when I was, was doing that story, uh, try to figure out how, you know, where would people actually finish if you're putting a bunch of ties in there. But I think when you get rid of overtime, I think you get a clearer picture of how good a team is or isn't, you know, a team like the Raiders that won a lot of tie games last year um, would not have benefited from that. The Titans ended up with the number one seed in large part because they won some overtime games. And I don't think anybody looked at the Titans and said, yeah, that's the best team in the AFC last year. You know, it was the bills and the chiefs uh, by the end of the season. So um, just things like that seem to kind of even out a little more. Um, But I would, I would definitely get rid of overtime, keep it obviously in the the playoffs because you need to have a winner, but there's, there's really no point in the regular season. I will say your newsletter convinced me on this, Scott. Like I never thought of that as a possibility before. And then I think it was the point you made where you're just like, it didn't really change the standings that much. Like had we not had overtime this past season. um, And if you all are subscribers, go back and look at that, that newsletter, it really didn't change the standings a whole, a whole ton, like in earnest. So Mm. I, I think it's an out of the box idea that isn't all that crazy when you actually look at the numbers. Yeah, like the Steelers wouldn't have made the playoffs, but I mean, who here thinks they deserve yeah. to make the playoffs last year? Right. The Raiders wouldn't have made it. It would have been the Colts and the Chargers uh, 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 going into a tiebreaker for that last spot. The Dolphins would have made it. So, um, yeah, you're talking about the bottom. And I think sometimes it just it just feels like a team. If, if you go without the tie, without overtime, like the teams that you felt probably should have been in the playoffs, they'd make it because you don't have those those wacky losses or whatever in overtime. It's just, I don't know. It's unnecessary. Well, and I, you have more teams like trying to win in the fourth quarter. Correct. Like two point convert, you know, you'd score to pull within a point. So you'd go for two to try and win the game. 
you wouldn't, you maybe wouldn't kick the field goal to tie the game. Now you'd, you'd go for it on fourth down and, and try and win with a touchdown. So I, I think it would make ends of games more exciting. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm with you. If you can't decide it in four quarters, just call it a tie. You have 60 minutes. Is that not enough? Like, <laughs> and, yeah. and the scoring is weird enough that like, you, you know, it's not like in soccer where it's one goal, one, you know, I mean, you got 3.7 points. You can go for two whenever you want. You get, there, yeah. there's no reason there, there should be a ton of ties. If you just got rid of overtime, I'm on board with this. Coaches are already more aggressive when you're going for fourth going on forward on fourth down. Um, that's been a trend for a number of years now. And also obviously two point conversion. So, yeah, I think if this were the case, if there were no overtime, you'd see some more aggressive play at the end of the game. I'm on board. This passes our competition committee <laughs> with, with ease, a unanimous vote. Uh, Ashley, did you have one? Yeah. Mine's I think kind of boring and not that controversial. Cause I think a lot of people feel this way. Like I would like, and it's not, it doesn't have to do with playoff format or anything. Um, but obviously the NFL has gotten the nickname, the no fun league for a reason. I want to see some of these taunting and excessive celebration rules relaxed a little bit more. Like, so last year to, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I have this correct. There wasn't a rule change exactly. There was a new point of emphasis on taunting, which the NBA does something similar. Like they don't make rule changes because it requires too much. Um, and it basically has to do with, you can educate the players, the coaches and the referees on how to call something differently. And it had to do with taunting. And obviously I think a lot of, a lot of that takes so much of the personality and the fun out of the game. I get there's a line that has to be drawn, but I think sometimes it's so subjective based on the referees that are there. Um, And it does take some fun out of the game. You know, when you talk about comparing the NFL to the NBA, I think the NBA, you see those personalities a lot more. And I I just would like to see more of that. Again, I think the the no fun league nickname has stuck for a reason. Does anyone enjoy taunting? Like, is there anyone out there that's watching a game that's like, oh, thank God they threw a flag on that. Right. Like, it's it's like, who's it really bothering? (laughs) Yeah, I think you, everybody would be better off just having the refs get in between people. Just, all right, go back to your sideline. Just, right. you know, there's, yeah, I don't think penalizing players for that is, that, that seems overboard. And I, I think they still have that rule in college where if you taunt on your way into the end zone, they can take the points off the board. Yeah. It's, no, nobody wants that. No, nobody wants those yeah. flags to come out for that. You know, there, there's probably some old, like old football coach who's <laughs> sitting in his den Get off my lawn. in his right. smoking jacket. Like, it, Oh, thank God they threw that flag. But that's like the only guy. It is very much like that Simpsons meme. The old man yells at cloud. Like it, yeah. it just feels like that a lot of the time. And I, I don't know. I just think it's dumb. I think it has nothing to do with anything of merit that happens on the field. And it's kind of infuriating to me when it, when it does slow down a game or, or that flag gets thrown. So I just would like to see those rules just totally. I want the opposite of a point of emphasis. What's the opposite of that? Can we just remove it and make it even less than it is even without the point of emphasis? A point of ignorance? Is that? Yeah. <laughs> and it's not even consistent because like the biggest taunting move in football is signaling a first down, right? Right. The guy, guy pulls out the ball, drops it. And you know, that's, what is that? That's, that's basically, yeah, taunting the other team. I got a first down, you know, deal with it. It's the same thing. What if there was like a minimum threshold, though, to where you could be called for taunting? So if you're like, if you're like just some run of the mill receiver and you signal first down, that's taunting. But if you're like Cooper Cup or Justin Jefferson, I don't know, Devontae Adams and you signal first down, 
that's fine. You can do whatever you want. There should just be maybe a minimum threshold. They define it by tiers of each, each position has a tier. And depending on what tier you're in, that's how many taunts you get or how far you can take it. I, I do think any, any, any team that's losing by like three scores or more in the fourth quarter, if anybody on that team signals first down after gaining a first down, that, that player should be tossed. That's fair. That's fair. other than that. Other than that, I'm fine. <laughs> so I, I had come up with a couple of ideas. One of them had to do with a fine system for posting too many off season workout videos, but we'll, we'll skip that <laughs> one. Um, I just want to realign the NFL and I'm, this is really half-baked. I haven't thought of the implications just across the board. But I want the AFC North to be Cleveland, Buffalo, Detroit, and Pittsburgh. That's what I want the AFC North to look like. We'll put Baltimore in the East. Right. I feel like I've, if Baltimore won this discussion before with some of my, like, I went to John Carroll, so there's a lot of Buffalo friends that I have from college. And I've had this exact discussion. Yeah. It makes no sense why the Bills and the Browns are not in the same division. And I feel like, like if Baltimore weren't the old Browns, it wouldn't even be a discussion. It would be like, oh yeah, right. just get them out of there. They need to be in the East or whatever, some coastal conference. So yeah, that, I, I would do that. And that would be the North. I would also, I would put Philly and the two New York teams, or I guess New Jer- technically New Jersey teams. I'd put them in the same division too. Those, those three all belong in the same division. They're like a train ride away from each other, but it's, it's gotta be, sorry, Cincinnati. It's got to be Buffalo, Detroit, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh. It has to be. Scott, well, you just you just reminded me of another idea I, I had had at some point, and it has to do with alignment. And I would be, if if I was in charge and I was allowed to make a change like this, I would say it would be top sixteen, bottom sixteen. It would be a a, a relegation system, much like uh, most soccer leagues in the world. Um, Maybe, maybe you go a little over 16, you have a smaller, smaller subdivision, but uh, get rid of division. I hate divisions like NBA, the divisions. What's the point of that? Right. It's literally like, like meaningless. Yeah. You don't even look at that. You look at the conference standing. So I think uh, it would be interesting to watch like the NFL like that, where you just have the top 16 teams are playing for the Super Bowl. Bottom 16 teams are playing for something, but like the top, the top three or four teams in that bottom league can move up the bot the bottom three or four move down every year, that kind of thing. Um, that would be interesting. I don't know. I mean, no owner would ever agree <laughs> to, uh, to say, okay, all right, we'll start off in the bottom league. But um, yeah, I think that would be cool to, to see it work like that. And we could stick Cincinnati in some like weird division of teams that are just like, eh, kind of the meh division. We'll be like Cincinnati, <laughs> Tennessee, Jacksonville. I don't know. We'll find some Houston collection of teams. Basically just put them in the AFC South, the division. No one cares about. <laughs> All right. That works. There we go. Oh. One cool thing about doing the, uh, the two, the top and the bottom though, the, 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 the championship bracket and the subdivision is that everybody in that one through 16th, they could all play each other once. So there would be no more, they had a tougher schedule or they had an easier schedule. Everybody's playing the same schedule. That's what's great about soccer is you play everybody, you know, home and away. It's just, you, you don't screw around with, uh, with schedule makers other than, you know, trying to figure out when you play somebody it's, it's everybody plays everybody. And so then everybody's pretty much on an even, on an even playing field. I, I like that about soccer. And I think it would be great. So great. If, if American sports could 
could get there. This feels very much like a podcast we're going to revisit on like July 11th. We're just <laughs> going to remake the entire NFL. It's just going to be like two hours of half-baked rule change ideas and realignments and, and all of that. All right. So stay tuned. You got to be subscribed to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast because who knows when, when we're going to actually get together and drop that pod. So wherever you listen to your pod, search Orange and Brown Talk and get subscribed and be a Football Insider subscriber because I feel like there's going to be a lot of newsletter ideas that also come out of this pod. One already did. So there we go. Uh, Cleveland.com slash Browns and Blue Banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. Scott and Ashley, I'll talk to you later.